0: What would qualify for you as an opportunity that you could simply not pass up if you were given the chance? Tickets to Sunday's NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field? A three-minute shopping spree at your favorite store, perhaps? Perhaps. A parent, a friend, grabbing you on a warm summer evening and saying, hey, let's go grab some ice cream. The chance to spend an afternoon with your favorite celebrity or perhaps a public figure you really respect. Perhaps some of you can think back to the moment when the person you really liked finally asked you out on that date. You'll clear the calendar. You'll do anything it takes to make it happen. Of course, President Biden was sworn into office, and we're hearing news of the folks that he is choosing to join him in his cabinet. I suppose if you had political aspirations, receiving such a nod would also qualify as one of those opportunities that you couldn't refuse. When such a moment comes along, One of those clear, can't-refuse moments. How long does it take you to make up your mind? Not very long. The opportunity is so compelling that deliberation isn't even necessary. Today, such an offer comes to Simon and Andrew, to James and to John. And in truth, it comes to you. And to me as well. Our gospel reading details the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, following his baptism by John. And this beginning is marked by two invitations. One that is general and is likely shared with many people at once. And one invitation that is intensely personal. Personal. First that general invitation I'd like to share with you from Mark chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. We have this language from John's gospel, I'm sorry from Mark's gospel. Now after John was taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, "The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel." These words might sound familiar to us and as a result, we might be tempted to let them uh, pass by quickly. But let's pause for a moment. Consider what Jesus is actually saying here. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Can we even begin to imagine how big a pronouncement this is? Faithful believers And God had been waiting for this time, this moment for generations, even for thousands of years. God had promised to Adam and Eve, an offspring of the woman who would undo the work of the deceiving serpent. God had promised to Abraham, an offspring who would be a blessing to all the nations. God had promised to Moses and the Israelites, that he would raise up for them a prophet like Moses, one who would act with might and reveal God's truth. God had promised David a son who would reign on his throne forever. Through Isaiah, God had promised a servant who would stand in the place of Israel and take away their sin through his suffering and through his vindication. The Jews of Jesus' day knew these promises. They longed for them to be fulfilled. Even ordinary fishermen like Simon and Andrew, James and John, would have been schooled in these promises with their parents as they shared the stories of God's Word in their homes, as they attended the synagogue on the Sabbath day and heard God's Word there. The time is fulfilled, Jesus says. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, that is, turn away from your sin and back to God and believe in the gospel and the good news. This is a million times bigger than a party getting their guy into the White House or the home team getting to host the Super Bowl play-in game at home. The kingdom of God is is at hand because God's chosen king has arrived on the scene in real flesh and blood. Whatever you were doing before, it's time to turn. It's time to believe. But then, the invitation gets intensely personal. Jesus moves from proclaiming to the crowds to Choosing individuals. We hear this in Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 16. As he was going along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will have you become fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were also in the boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and went away to follow him. On one hand, it's something to hear the proclamation that God's kingdom is coming in the person of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit to believe him and the good news that he comes to bring. But with this next call, the call that Jesus extends to these four men who are out there on the water, all of life is reoriented. Livelihoods are left behind as a new opportunity is embraced. Follow me. They didn't know it yet. But this calling would bring with it suffering and deep sadness at times. At least three of these four men would ultimately be martyred for the sake of Jesus' name with the possible exception of John, who will spend his years as an old man, as an exile on an island prison, much like first century Alcatraz. But having heard the promises, and now having seen them fulfilled in the coming of the king, the response, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is a no-brainer. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Now, to be fair, not everyone responds to the call of Jesus in the exact same way in the Gospels. On one occasion, we hear of Jesus calling someone to follow him, but he wants to wait. He wants to wait until his mother and father have passed away, and then he will go and follow Jesus. On another occasion... Jesus meets with a rich young man who wants to know what is necessary for him to inherit eternal life after running through the commandments. Jesus says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And we're told that that young man leaves sad because he has great possessions. I think we can relate to those guys. We, too, have complicated family entanglements. We, too, have it pretty comfortable by the world's standards. Jesus comes along. He says, follow me. He meets you and me in the water, the water of baptism, so that we know that the call is for us and not just for the person sitting next to us. Do we follow? If your story is anything like mine, the answer might be yes, with the overwhelming help of God's grace. (laughs) For left to ourselves, we turn aside over and over again. Maybe not completely away, but aside to so many cares and concerns tied to this life. We cultivate our reputation, we attend to our comfort, we seek to buy happiness, we get excited about things that have very little kingdom significance. We hear of Jesus' first disciples messing things up and not seeing things clearly. And as we hear those stories, we breathe a sigh of relief, for if Jesus stuck with them, perhaps he'll stick with us. And he will. For to follow him is not just to strive and to suffer for his sake, but also to know his forgiveness for when we fail, his power for when we are weak, his presence for when we feel alone, and his peace when we're overwhelmed and we feel like things are falling apart. He calls us to follow, not as one who has callous disregard of those who follow him, but as a shepherd calls his sheep to follow after him. And with the call comes a promise. He says to you and to me again today, I will guard you. I will defend you. I will care for you. I will give my life that you may live. And I will never leave you. So do not be afraid. Follow me. Learn from my wisdom. Experience my love. Witness my courage as I testify to the truth. Experience my surprising humility. See my power. My power over temptation, power over sickness, power over evil, power over death and the grave. Follow me. Follow me, Jesus says again to you and to me today. Your life will never be the same. And that's good. because you were made for something far better than the world is able to offer. You were made for life with Him. So may God bless us to hear the Savior's voice and to embrace His call anew today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep our hearts and minds today and always in Christ Jesus the one who calls. Amen.